0: I'm Georgia Bedworth, a barrister at 10 Old Square Chambers, and today I'm going to be looking at reACC a recent decision of the Court of Protection, which concerns the scope of the authority of a deputy who has been appointed by the court to manage the property and affairs of a person who lacks mental capacity to do so. The decision is concerned in particular with when a deputy is authorised to incur costs in respect of legal advice and legal proceedings. The court also gave guidance on how professional deputies should deal with potential conflicts of interest if they want to instruct their own firm or a firm they are connected with to give legal advice on behalf of the person lacking capacity. Following this decision, the Office of the Public Guardian who supervise deputies, has published some guidance. That guidance is essential reading for all deputies, professional or not. The court had before it three applications by professional property and affairs deputies, which concerned whether the deputies had authority to pay costs which had been incurred or which were to be incurred in legal proceedings on behalf of the person lacking capacity. I'll refer in this podcast to the person lacking capacity, as P, as a shorthand. In two cases, the proceedings concerned welfare matters, but in all three cases, the deputy was connected with the firm of solicitors instructed to provide the advice and act in the legal proceedings. The issue for the court was whether and in what circumstances a deputy is entitled to recover cost from P's assets in respect of legal advice. This involves consideration of the scope of the deputy's authority because, in general, an agent, such as a deputy, is entitled to be reimbursed for expenses incurred in carrying out his authority. The court considered the scope of the general authority conferred on a court-appointed deputy to manage property and affairs of an individual lacking capacity. So what does general authority actually mean in this context? Secondly, whether and to what extent general authority includes taking legal advice at the expense of P Thirdly, whether court authorisation is required to conduct litigation on behalf of and at the expense of P and the point at which a deputy should apply to the Court of Protection for authorisation to take advice or conduct litigation on P's behalf. Fourthly, when a deputy can reimburse a third party for legal costs, which that third party has incurred, in acting as litigation friend for P without first obtaining the authorisation of the court. As I mentioned, the court also considered questions of conflict of interest. Like any agent, a deputy is a fiduciary and owes fiduciary duties to the person lacking capacity. Chief amongst those fiduciary duties is the duty not to allow his personal interest to conflict with his duty to act in the best interests of P. When the deputy is connected with a firm of solicitors, for example, because they are a partner in the firm, or a trust company connected with a firm of solicitors, and the deputy wants to instruct that firm to give legal advice, a conflict of interest arises. The court considered how such a conflict could be managed. The decision was given by the senior judge, Her Honour Judge Hilda. Her Honour Judge Hilda gave a detailed judgment dealing with each of these issues. The first point that the judge made was to make clear that a deputy only has authority to carry out acts authorised by the court order appointing him or her general authority to manage property and affairs is authority to carry out the myriad of day-to-day tasks which need to be done to manage an individual's property, including completing a tax return or other day-to-day transactions. However, general authority doesn't include more one-off tasks such as taking steps to sell a property, although where that is applicable A deputy will often be given authority to sell a property by the order appointing him, adopting a standard template wording from the templates that the Court of Protection generally uses. The court recognised that inevitably a deputy may require legal advice or assistance in the course of managing P's property and affairs. If a deputy is authorised to sell P's home, for example, That task will require legal advice. Whether a deputy has authority to take legal advice and pay for it out of peace assets in non-contentious matters without court authorisation will depend on the scope of the authority granted by the court order. If the order authorises sale of the property, the deputy can instruct conveyancing solicitors The test put forward by the judge was whether the deputy would be able to act on the advice given within the scope of his authority. What, though, of contentious matters? General authority certainly doesn't include conducting litigation at P's expense. If a deputy proposes to act as litigation friend for P, or make any application on P's behalf, subject to a couple of exceptions which I'll explain, he needs to apply to the Court of Protection for specific authority to do so. If he acts without that authority, he acts as his own risk as to costs. He will need retrospective authority from the Court of Protection before he can reimburse himself from P's assets. The exception to this is if the deputy wants to make an application to the Court of Protection in relation to a property and affairs matter. For example... A statutory will application. No prior authorisation is required for that sort of application. However, a property and affairs deputy is not authorised to bring a welfare application, even in the Court of Protection, without first obtaining the authorisation of the court. This is because a property and affairs deputy may not be the person best placed to bring the application. Instead, he should. Draw the issue to the attention of the relevant authority and if that relevant authority does not act promptly, he should make an application to the court for directions. The cost of that directions application, it seems, would be payable from these assets. But of course, whenever legal proceedings are in contemplation, there is a stage before proceedings are issued How is a deputy to know whether or not it is appropriate to bring litigation, or even appropriate to bring the matter to the attention of the court, so that P incurs the costs of that application? A deputy can take advice on potential litigation and can incur costs at P's expense up to the point of receiving a letter of response. However, Before matters are taken any further by issuing proceedings, save in the case of urgency, authorisation of the Court of Protection is required. If urgent action has been required, then the deputy should promptly apply for retrospective authorisation from the Court of Protection, and in doing so the court will expect an explanation as to why matters were so urgent that no prior authorisation had been sought. The court recognises that there are issues where property and affairs bleed into welfare matters. The property and affairs deputy doesn't have power to make welfare decisions, but will have to use funds to implement decisions which have been made. The judgment deals specifically with two types of applications, both with financial implications, which gives some guidance as to where the line is to be drawn between a welfare matter and a property and affairs matter. So far as applications for continuing healthcare funding are concerned, a property and affairs deputy can make such an application because although the criteria relate to welfare issues such as medical needs, essentially this is a financial decision. However, if the deputy wishes to appeal against a decision which is made, the deputy can take advice, but an application to the court must be made before the appeal is issued. In contrast, a property and affairs deputy has no authority to deal with education, health and social care plans. Those are welfare decisions, although they may have financial implications. If an issue arises with such a plan or a decision of the relevant authority, the proper approach is to draw those issues to the attention of the court by applications for directions. What is made extremely clear by the judgment is that a deputy cannot pay the costs of a third party litigation friend in proceedings brought on behalf of P, e.g. a member of the family, without first obtaining the prior authorisation of the Court of Protection. The judgment doesn't consider, though, whether the litigation friend would have any independent right of indemnity from P's assets. One of the most important issues the judgment deals with is that of conflicts of interest. In respect of conflicts of interest, the court recognised that the specific authorisation would be required in respect of a deputy instructing his own firm. Where the order made no specific mention and gave no specific authority in respect of instructing a connected firm the deputy is required to obtain three quotes and make a best interest decision as to who to instruct. If a deputy still wanted to instruct a connected firm, he could do so provided the costs did not exceed £2,000 plus VAT. But if they were to exceed that amount, an application is required. So why is this decision important? The decision has been followed up with guidance from the Office of the Public Guardian The OPG guidance basically repeats the decision but sets out the Office of Public Guardian's expectations of deputies in light of the judgment. This has implications both for deputies who have already been appointed and new appointees. The OPG expects deputies who have not yet been appointed to seek specific authorisation in respect of instructing their own firm, which will include a proposed limit on the costs which might be incurred without needing to make a separate special application to the Court of Protection. In any case where no specific authorisation has been given to the deputy to instruct his own or a connected firm, the deputy will need to obtain three quotes unless obtaining the quotes is disproportionate and make a best interests decision as to which firm should be instructed. If the costs exceed £2,000 plus VAT, then an application must be made to the Court of Protection, if the deputy wants to instruct his own firm. In any case, the annual report filed by a deputy will need to set out clearly how the decision was arrived at. In cases where a deputy has already been appointed the OPG has indicated that it will not make applications to the court to draw issues of conflict to the court's attention, where matters have been concluded before the judgment in re-ACC was handed down. That's the 27th of February 2020. But the OPG expects deputies to make applications for authorisation, including retrospective authorisation, where cases are ongoing or where issues of conflict have arisen after the 27th of February 2020. The guidance says that applications should be made by 1st of April 2021. Otherwise, the Office of Public Guardian is likely to make an application where it sees that issues have arisen. Deputies therefore need to give very careful attention to the order appointing them, and also need to give very careful consideration to where P's best interests lie when they need to instruct solicitors, particularly if they intend to instruct their own firm. This can't be the default option. Applications for the appointment of a deputy are now likely to routinely include provisions allowing a deputy to instruct his own firm up to a cost limit to avoid the need for too many future applications being made to the court. However, even taking this into account, it is likely that the number of applications to the court of protection will increase particularly with older deputy ships as issues arise in the course of managing peace affairs it remains to be seen if the balance has been struck by the court in an appropriate place